I invite you to open up your Bible if you brought your text with you or if you have your electronic Bible to Romans chapter 6. We'll read the whole chapter today, um, and some of that is just so that I was like, well, I could add context or just read it to you, <laughs> so you get a little bit of that as well. So we're a couple weeks before Lent here. Ash Wednesday gets to mark out on Valentine's Day this wonderful season of love that we're about to experience. And so, Connie, thank you for picking up that, that theme already, but I'll tell you, we can put uh, our heavy books on the shelf in a little bit. We've been doing this series called Everyone is a Theologian. Because basically, if someone has something to say about who God is or who God isn't, they're basically making a statement about theology. It's just words or statements about who you think God is or how he, you think he might act. This week, we pick up the heaviest of Paul's books. It's not his longest letter, but it is the most thick. It has some heavy ideas. It has some million-dollar words like propitiation and justification, and sanctification. But my friends, it's more simple than that. It's about getting paid. Theology just can't, can't just be words, or not merely words. We've got to put our mouth, our, our money where our mouth is. And so I've entitled this message, Getting Paid. From Romans Chapter 6 and verse 1. I'll take it on the screen, Jake. Thanks. Let's read together. Or, pardon me, I'll read to you. You can read and follow along. <laughs> what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? <laughs> By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should be no longer slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are no longer under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, 
which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. Now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you're now ashamed of? Those things resulted in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If I was to summarize what I want to share with you about Paul's letter this morning, it would be this. The wages of sin is death, and if you continue on your current pathway, it will lead you to a payday, to a paycheck, but not the one you expected and not the one you want. Jesus provides a way to be made whole, to be made complete, and the cost for that he covers also. As we turn to Rome, there's a little bit of trouble here. Paul is writing in his letter, one thing seemingly after another, he's trying to correct a little bit of their thinking. So I ask, maybe put you in this mindset, what would your last piece of advice be? Your last thing that you could leave to the world behind you? You only had one chance to leave that mark or some information. That seems to be the desperation in which Paul is writing his letter to the Roman church. This beautiful masterpiece is a gift of great words, but more than that, it is the winning lottery ticket of letters. It has everything in such abundance, not just ideas, but an actual pathway, a road, if you will, for how we find freedom in life. Once you were slaves, he says. Is he being dramatic here? A little over the top, this Paul, isn't he? Not really. Slavery was a much bigger part of culture then. In the Roman Empire, about one-third of the population was in some way indentured. It was a part of their workforce, if you will. He's not being dramatic. He's using something from everyday life to explain it to them. I mentioned a couple weeks ago after a visit to prison that I, um, that I learned something there amongst the theologians in Mississippi State Penitentiary. They taught me that everyone is in bondage to something. Sin or the effects of sin are inescapable. That is the first step or first stop on our Romans road. You see, Paul lays out this pathway for us. And the first step is to acknowledge our sin and the human problem. 
You see, sin needs to be justified. That's not making an excuse for it. It needs to be made right. We need to be sanctified. And the easiest translation for that is to be made whole or to be made holy. And we see this in the book of Romans. This human problem is dictated by Paul. First in chapter 3 and then again in chapter 6. He says in Romans 3, all have sinned. That's every single one of us, myself included. All have sinned, he says. But we need to realize that sin sets us on a road, on a pathway that leads to death. In fact, we are slaves to sin. For some of us, we take a look at what seems to be a life worth living of pleasure and abundance until we realize that our desires for more will never be realized or, or satisfied. We will continue to crave and desire until we realize that abundance is not the answer. This can't be the wanton desires and the who cares, who knows, or sees kind of on-display living that may be something we want to shy away from. And Paul is, is reminding them you can't remain slaves to sin and bear the name of Jesus Christ. It's not the only kind of living that Paul is talking about, though. Slaves to sin, one thing we'll pick up a little bit more next week is being slaves to law. You can be a slave to things that you celebrate, even the good stuff. You can celebrate your own worthiness your own humility. As the Pharisees celebrated their own commitment to the law and their own ability to control how they sin. Paul is reminding us, the wages of sin is death, and all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, and a sacrifice is still required. It had to come from somewhere. Now, I'm not sure about you, but when it comes to this life, it seems though, it, as though it's a human experience that there seem to be two ways. You know, thank you, Robert Frost, two ways diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry, you know, sorry I could not travel down both and be one traveler, and long I stood and peered down one as long as I could until it bent until the undergrowth, then took the other, looking as just as fair, and marked the other for another day. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood. I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. Paul's making a distinction here. There are two roads. You can be a slave to sin, even a slave to the law, but neither is able to save you. The law is there to help convict us, and we'll hear more of that next week. And it, and it plagues us, and unfortunately, we hold the bill. We've been walking down that path, and unfortunately, it is a toll road. Now, for some of you who are a little bit uh, pre-economic, <laughs> not quite in the workforce yet, you still know how dollars and cents work, but first paychecks, if, if I can fair uh, give you fair warning, first paychecks can be fun. 
maybe not quite exactly what you expect when you say, I work for this many hours and I get paid this much an hour. This is how much I should get on my paycheck, right? Until you get that first one. Two things that you can count on in life, death and taxes. It's a cliche. A cliche is an old saying that we still say and no one remembers who said it first. Death and taxes. Three, if you count a Microsoft update when you're very busy. <laughs> For those who are gainfully employed, you have uh, maybe had a confused teenager come up to you in the past. Maybe you recount, I feel like this is a, a, a scene from an episode of Friends or something like that. A, a teenager who may walk up to you and say, who is CPP and why am I paying them? Well, it's, that's the Canada Pension Plan. And CRA? Well, that's tax, the Canada Revenue Agency. EI? Employment insurance. Aye. There isn't much left. What did I do all this work for? You see, life is full of deductions. And the cost to get ahead in life, it costs something. There's a price to pay. And in life, with deduction after deduction, we find ourselves with, with empty hands, unable to pay the toll. Maybe eternal life, maybe getting paid is what some people are in it for. You know, the whole what's in it for me culture. But getting saved is more than that. Getting saved is what we are in need of. The reality is someone must pay. If you still have your text, it's verse, four and it's verse 5 and 6. In death, we go down with him to find new life. You see, sin is what separates us from God. Holiness can only exist in the absence of sin. Let me say that again. Holiness can only exist in the absence of sin. And so there is a gap between us and God. And justification is the closing of that gap by grace through faith. That's the easiest way to explain justification. Sanctification is the process that follows for the rest of our lives for those who believe. Justification is the closing of that gap by grace through faith that gap in our holiness. And sanctification is the process that follows for the rest of the life of those who believe. For those of you who are still looking at your empty hands and wondering, ooh, I'm not so sure. Ever been to the grocery store and you hope that your math was right when you got to the front till? I must admit, my Sunday afternoons are often filled with some of those... Uh, perk-me-up videos that are only a couple minutes long, but those viral videos, they do so much to infill my, my heart again. Um, I, you know, there's so many of those videos where a stranger is behind somebody else in a checkout line, and you know, they, someone creates a distraction or something, and they use the, the tap payment to pay for somebody, and they kind of abscond, and then everyone's like, oh, what happened? And the stranger says, oh, well, well the, the cashier says, this stranger has paid for your groceries. And there's been so, a myriad of responses from people, and I'll tell you, it, it does my heart so good to see something like this just happening in our world and our society. I suppose it gives us 
some form of hope. But I think it does better than that. It gives us a great analogy. You see, in, in the solution that God has, what he says to us in Romans chapter 5 is that but God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we are standing in line with our hands empty and our baskets full, Christ died for us. And what he's been teaching the Romans through his letter is that there are two roads. There's a pathway that leads to life and a pathway that leads to death. And you can be dead to sin or you can be alive in Christ. I've told you that sanctification means holiness. It's kind of like a, um, the, a mathematical term. The word integer is, means a whole number, like one or two. It's not anything more than one or anything less than one. It's exactly one. Christ comes to make us whole, to give us, you ready? Integrity. That's where that word comes from. Integer. To be made whole. And we are justified as we turn to him in faith with a new day, with a clean slate and a clear board from that moment on, free from guilt and free from shame. Verse 7, anyone who has died has been set free from sin. And the process of sanctification, the stripping away of what needs to go, he says in verse 12, no longer let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Now, there's a couple other simpler words. I've already used one, this idea of grace. Maybe it's easier for us to use the words mercy and grace together. See, mercy is, getting, is not getting what you deserve. It's when you are caught, like, say, by your mom or your dad doing something you should not be doing, and you know the punishment for that thing, and yet they do not give you that punishment. Mom and dad are being merciful. Okay? But, say, you've had a a day or two where you are you know, not exactly being the, on your best behavior and mom and dad both know it and you've had time out after time out after time out and at the end of that uh, your parents still say but you know what um, we've got this special um, meal for you I know it's your favorite and we have dessert as well and you say oh well what did I what did I do to deserve this and the answer is nothing that's kind of like grace that's that's a good analogy for grace grace is getting what we could not earn. Grace is getting something from someone, or particularly in this case, from God, that which we could not earn. As we come to him with our hands empty, grace is what he fills them with. And so what Paul says to us, out of response, we live differently. Verse 15, what then, shall we sin? Because we're no longer under the law, but under grace, by no means. Actually, the Greek there is even better. It's on verse 1 and again in verse 15. It's no, no. <laughs> it's like that. It really is. It's a, it is a hard no followed by a harder no. No, no. That's what Paul is saying. My goodness, no. We've been following the Belgian Confession to kind of help us take a look at what people have been saying over time about things like this. And you can find the articles on justification and sanctification there. 
in Articles 23 and 24. I invite you just to close your eyes for a moment. These are some reflections from people about 450 years ago on the very same idea. We believe that this true faith produced in us by the hearing of God's word and by the work of the Holy Spirit regenerates us and makes us new creatures, causing us to live a new life and freeing us from the slavery of sin. Therefore, far from making people cold towards living in a pious and holy way, this justifying faith, quite to the contrary, so works within them that apart from it, they will never do a thing out of love for God, but only out of love for themselves and fear of being condemned. So then it is impossible for this holy faith to be unfruitful in a human being seeing that we do not speak of an empty faith, but what Scripture calls faith working through love, which moves people to do by themselves the works that God has commanded them to do. Theology is practical. And our response to the grace and mercy that we find in Jesus Christ is to practice a little differently. It should make a change when you know you've gone from death to life. It's something to celebrate when you've gone from death to life. I told you I went to a prison in Mississippi uh, well, it was 10 years ago in two weeks that I went to my first prison ever as an experience. I went to Angola. Uh, it's called Angola. It's Louisiana State Penitentiary. Another facility that's 18,000 acres, an old slave plantation. And I had an opportunity to preach there on um, MLK Day. And it was a, what a beautiful opportunity to join in with this church service, a, a church that I would never have been able to join had I not gone down to Louisiana. And so there we were in St. Francisville, Louisiana. And I was preaching and and I just, I felt really connected with this community down there um, and I felt really supported by not only the, the people that we had gone down with the, from Calvin uh, Seminary, because I was doing some classes at the time, but also from the, from the incarcerated inmates as well. They, they were such, there was such support and such love in that place. And you could tell that even as they lived, it was just amazing how they lived differently, even in the confines of that prison. One such man was named Jimmy. Jimmy, I only got to meet uh, on the last day that we were there at Angola. And after the first opportunity to preach on MLK Day, I, something just came over me. I, just, I felt this un, um, un, inability to repress the desire to preach again. And so the next night when I was asked, would you like to preach again? I said, sure. And I asked the next night, would you like to preach again? I said, yep. And they said, the last night, you want to preach again? I said, absolutely. And that last night, I remember we had about 15 or 20 minutes, and we were in the final, um, in, in the large chapel there. It seats about 600. Um, it was built by the Billy Graham Foundation in the prison, because uh, uh, Billy had come there, and he had initiated it and all this stuff. Beautiful story. And here I am, and I see the president of Calvin Seminary come and sit at the back, and I think, oh my goodness, what have I got myself into? 
Um, I, I hope I can still graduate at the end of this. And I've got a message on Lazarus. Now, I'm going to tell you, if any, if any of you think about seminary, Lazarus is a good one. You're, you're always pretty good. That's a pretty safe one with Lazarus. So I'm supposed to get up there, and, and I decide I'm going to talk about all the different verbs. If you go home and look at this, it's a pretty cool study. All the different verbs that Jesus employs in the story of Lazarus. It's pretty neat. I'm all prepared. I'm in my mind all sitting here. And also, before I'm about to get up, Chaplain Tony says, there's just one announcement. Jimmy's got an announcement he'd like to make. Jimmy, come on up. Well, Jimmy comes up, and he gives him a microphone. He goes, I just want to thank God. I have a testimony tonight. I want to thank God for answering prayer. I thought, okay, great. Preparing myself. I'm just going to get up there and say my thing. Jimmy says, for the first day in 19 years, I came off of death row. I got a letter from the governor last night, and my death sentence has been turned to life in prison. I've never seen someone so excited to get life in prison. And I had to go tell them about a friend of Jesus going from death to life. I thought I should just get up there and read the text. I used to sing a song when I traveled in gospel music. It was called Payday. <laughs> Payday is coming, coming in the by and by. Do not weary in well-doing. Your redemption draweth nigh. The last stop on the Romans road I want to show you. Because it's the most important one that, that Paul lays out, and it's a lot closer to the end of the letter. You can tell he's getting close to that last bit of advice that he wants to give people. And he's telling people, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. But friends, do you know that Christ was raised from the dead? Do you know that you also have a gift freely available? You just have to change in that paycheck, exchange it for the gift that he's got waiting. Friends, if you've never had a chance to publicly profess your faith, to stand up and say, he is Lord, we want to invite you this morning to have an opportunity to share that with somebody. This morning, as we come to the close of this, uh, our message together and with our understanding of this Romans road, we're going to have some prayer partners who are going to meet at the front here. If you have an interest or a desire to have someone pray with you, maybe it's a, a prayer concern that you just have, you just want to have someone pray with you, uh, we invite you to come forward. If you're here and you are saying, I've made a decision that I want to follow Jesus and I want to tell somebody about it because if we confess with our mouth, that's what he says. And so we have opportunity to confess with our mouths this morning. Maybe it's been something that's been in your mind and the Holy Spirit has been working within your heart this morning to share it with somebody else. All I ask is that if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, that you'll come down and you'll, you'll come and join us in prayer. If all, someone is here, we'll ask you if you want prayer. 
you can feel free to say no and just continue to worship as the worship praise team is, uh, I'll invite them to come forward now, actually. If you have a specific prayer request, allow our prayer partners to pray for you. We'll continue on in, the, uh, in our, the course of our service just like we normally would. We'll sing a song together. I'll dismiss us with a parting blessing, but we have a, a prayer room just down the hall here as well that I'll invite you to. So I'll invite you to stand as we respond to this message. And let's, let's stand and we, as we pray and as we enter into song together as well. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence with us already. We thank you for the grace that we find in the gift of Jesus Christ. We thank you that in all that we uh, can say or do in response, it is only by your grace that we find those words to profess. So Lord, we thank you for the altar it's an opportunity for us to come, knowing that there's no hindrance, knowing that there's no one who stands between us and our ability to confess our love for you. And so, Lord, and this time we ask that you invite us, move in us by your spirit. I invite those as well, as they continue down the hall in grade 7 and 8 Connect, that you, by your spirit, may move with them there. They continue on in conversation as well, Lord. We thank you for your presence with us already. Be with us, we pray. In Christ's name.